have uh, Tommy here. He has a show in Chelsea. I'm Giovanna. Uh, I'm the host of Arbit, and we have uh, Tommy Min. He's going to talk about his uh, artist uh, journey and also the current shows in Chelsea. Um, my name is Tommy Mintz. I'm an artist. I live in New York City, and I've lived here my whole life. Um, my work, I guess, is about that sense of time and change that I've seen in New York over the last 40 years, where especially now we're seeing like extraordinary amount of change and also a sense of loss of um, tangible memories and photographs. Um, I, I, I'm a photographer and I uh, now use digital cameras and that has a very different sense of memory uh, and permanence to me. So in my work, I'm playing with our sense of permanence and memory, um, especially in digital photography. Um, so what I do is I go around um, with my camera, take a bunch of pictures of one location, and then run those pictures through a small program that I wrote that differentiates or that can um, detect the differences uh, between the sequences of images and the algorithm then adds in whatever is different, adding layers of what's detected as different or layers of change. Um, conveying, I guess, maybe uh, a passage of time within a single image, um, not stitched by human hand, but instead by this algorithm that creates uh, compositions, decisions uh, that I wouldn't personally if I was working with a you know, stylus or cutting things out by hand. Um, as I look at my pictures, I see things like an ear and leaves uh, interacting in ways that I wouldn't um, have interact if I was cutting them out by hand. People's hair passing through trees and over other people. Um, shadows becoming solid forms, cutting out people. Um, all of these things uh, become, I think, an interesting language, a digital language of description that we recognize, but also recognize as different. Um, it's familiar, but um, somehow uh, you know, conveying things in a, in a way that I think reveals an interesting set of patterns that we wouldn't otherwise see. Uh, talk about algorithm. How did you get involved with this algorithm? Uh, uh, the, I, I remember you say something about Python. Um, mm -hmm. uh, how, how did you learn about it, or uh, do you uh, know any engineer, or do you do it yourself? Yeah, I know engineers, but I did it myself. I asked all my engineer friends if they would program an art piece for me, and they all said they're too busy. <laughs> so I tried I that for years. Um, <laughs> so you tried to do yeah, it yourself. I, I started thinking about the project maybe in 2007, 2006, and it wasn't until 2012, 2013 that I um, was uh, you know, confident enough to uh, buy a book on Python. I bought um, Python for Beginners by Mark Lutz, great book. 900 pages, you learn Python. Uh, and I use the Raspberry Pi computer, which has great uh, community support. So the book, Raspberry Pi community together, you know, I figured out what I wanted to do in Python. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So you learn it yourself? 
Yeah, I mean, wow. with, with the help of, you know, online forums and a book. <laughs> a great book. And and I think the the, the overall the I, I now I'm standing in the gallery and I saw these uh, this really amazing the algorithm and also the, the history of a Chelsea. I can see that this is a like a um like you can see these uh, the people and the, the buildings and the, the we will talk about that the Tommy grow up in this uh, Chelsea this neighborhood. I feel like this is so interesting. And also, there's a, this is inside a building. By the way, the, this show is still on view that if you, you are happening in New York, in Chelsea, yeah, please come. Please come. 119 Ninth Avenue, 3 November 17th, 2021. Can you also tell, tell us about like, uh, what is your plan for next year? Because I like to ask all the artists. So I've been I'm photographing a lot. There's a lot of locations. I have a really long list of places that I want to photograph. So I'm going around. I got a new camera that's very high resolution. So I've been photographing old locations anew because there's new things that are revealed actually with this high resolution camera and the detail that shows up. It's, it's a whole um, new piece when I rephotograph an old location. Also, things are changing so much that I go back to old locations. So photographing a lot. Um, I also have been um, working on a, a other work. I, I've been drawing. I've also been um, working with groups of artists on collaborative projects. Um, and, geez, I guess this year um, I'm hoping to um, also re-approach <laughs> uh, my live generating uh, installation. Um, the, I have a version of the automated digital photo collage. The automated digital photo collage can either be run after the fact on a set of images, or it can be run on a set of images as they're being captured live on a Raspberry Pi. And Raspberry Pi company just came out with a very high resolution camera for the Raspberry Pi. So I got Ra one of Raspberry Pi camera. Raspberry Pi camera. So the Raspberry Pi computer has a ribbon cable that you can connect. I like that because we have we, we get tired with Apple, especially. Absolutely. So we have a Raspberry. You can't leave your expensive Apple computer outside or at a gal. You know, just sort of like the Raspberry Pi is battery powered. You drag it around with you. It's not a big deal. You generate things on the street. It's very exciting mm. to have that instant thing going on. And now. Um, this new camera, what I've been doing is um, generating pinhole with wow. this, so I just make a pinhole instead of a, of a lens on it, and it creates a very abstracted, you know, blur soft form that um, is very different than the amount of detail, maybe the opposite. You know, here I'm going for like very high resolution with my high resolution camera, but then also I have this... Pinhole, like vintage style. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and like layering those with the wow. digital has been real exciting. So I have that installed in the window right here, live generating during the show. So people who walk by um, are incorporated into this collage that's been generated the whole time the show has been installed mm, wow. right in the corner there. Yeah, so that's something I'm planning on working on more. Um, I just got it set up for the show, and now it's very exciting to sort of think about that. Really looking forward. Oh, thanks. I, I, I think that um, <laughs> another really interesting thing that I thinking about doing this year, is continuing to print <clears throat> using um, uh, pigment transfer processes. 
So if you just have a regular inkjet printer at home or in your studio, you can print onto uh, a plastic substrate sold by, um, uh, geez, Inkspressions. Uh, the, the name of the product is uh, Transfer Ease um, by InkAid, I think is the name of the company. You should Google that before putting it up online. Um, and they make a product that you could print onto and then transfer the pigment off of onto another surface. So I have a couple prints in this show that I did small, but thinking about that Jasper Johns show we just went to see and the um, multi-lithograph panel that we were looking at with like eight of the same thing repeated but tiled, I'm thinking about doing pigment transfer tile. So a very large print made from multiple small pigment transfers. So giving the edges and frames a whole nother level of you know, uh, interaction maybe, you know, physically. So it was great to see that Jasper Johns show. If there's oh, one yeah, thing to yeah. tell everybody is go to the Whitney I know, and go see I know, Jasper Johns. I know. And then, by the way, there's another show that's a Tommy Means show, just like yeah, just two blocks block. away. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> what influence you are? As a photographer, and I know you also, you're a teacher, you teach photography. Yeah, I mean, I, and I love studying photography too. Um, and there's a lot of photographers whose work I, I absolutely adore. So as a photographer, like I really think of myself as a street photographer. Um, Helen Levitt is maybe my favorite. Gary Winograd's right up there. This idea of just finding moments on the street, coming upon them and being a fly on the wall is something that I um, identify with. I'm also fascinated by um, Moybridge and Marais, um, these photographers who um, first captured stop motion and, and uh, were the very first experimenters of you know, uh, photography's ability to, to stop time. Um, and Marais, in particular, in France, in uh, I want to say 1880s, um, had a camera that could take multiple pictures of a person or an animal moving, and the image would appear overlaid upon itself multiple times. Beautiful, very similar to what I'm doing, but with the chemical, physical, photographic process. Um, and also, reaching back even further, I've been thinking a lot about Louis Daguerre, who invented the daguerreotype, right, the early photographic form. Previous to that was running a diorama in 1812 to 18, I think 19, look it up on Google, uh, Louis Daguerre ran a very successful uh, theatrical-like amusement where it was a, a theater st set, a theater stage with a set that had lighting effects and it would change. The lighting effects would change the painted backdrop and that was the whole performance. There was no theater, it was just the set. And so Daguerre um, had all these effects, um, would in fact, have two different stages that the audience would look at and rotate them. Rotate the whole audience was on a big turntable in this theater. Um, and, and I'm thinking about that, the panoramic diorama, this idea of surrounding yourself in an image, um, and how that reaches back um, really to before photography's invention. And so we have this moment, um, actually, where the diorama burns down and Daguerre takes his insurance money and, and invests in photography, really. So you have this moment of pre-photographic, the photographic that I'm really fascinated by, that sort of... Yeah, no, and I feel like um, there was a sense of uh, ownership of the city in a good way. Like, you wanted... It, it was your home 
in, you know, how do you designate something as yours? You mark it as yours, right? So as a kid, as a you know, 12, 13-year-old, um, in the city, uh, it was very common to sort of have a marker or a spray can, you know, then just mark things as yours. Um, people have a tag. I had many different words that I used as tags over the years, but I also used symbols, and I think that's something very interesting. Um, and actually, that ties into another project that I have currently on exhibit right now is something we're calling uh, the Museum of Sticker Art, MOSA, uh, at the Kingsborough Art Museum. So I teach at Kingsborough Community College. And the contemporary equivalent to um, graffiti, I think, is stickers. Stickers are super easy to make yourself for next to nothing. Um, and they're everywhere nowadays. So I've been peeling those off and collecting them on four by six index cards. And now we've hung over a thousand of them in the museum. Um, and uh, I think that that is something that I often look for. You know, this idea of marks on walls, stickers, markings that designate a place as a place where somebody has called their own is, is a thing that I often look for in my photographs. But also, just as a photographer going around, I notice that. I notice the stickers. I notice the graffiti. And I think that's something that a lot of people try to ignore. And then I have a question. So. Uh, do you remember the, what type of a camera was your first camera? Sure. <laughs> I had um, a Kodak disc camera. The film was uh, a flat disc that you'd stick into the camera. Do you still have it? No, my father threw it away. And all the film, too, that I shot. I've never let him live down. Dad, I love you. Um, uh, yeah, he threw out. I had my film. So Don't worry. My parents just uh, sold all my vinyls. Oh, no. <laughs> In Taiwan. Oh, my. I hope they got a lot <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's why I, 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 I couldn't talk to them for a while. <laughs> forgive them. Forgive them. It's important. Um, how much was there? Like a big, big, big uh, oh, yeah, yeah, twenty thousand. Oh my goodness! I, I use work for record company. Okay, I, I okay. even a lot of a white label. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are they retiring on that? Your, okay, your sorry. <laughs> okay. So your Kodak camera. <laughs> yeah, my Kodak camera. Um, I, sh I, gosh, I remember spending all my money that I had on film and developing. You have to send your film in. And wait a week for two weeks for it to come back. And that was some of the best Clark, Clark films where you'd send it in for $3 for development. And gosh, um, what did I do with those pictures? One of the things I did with them, and I remember we moved when I was in sixth grade, so I must have been in sixth grade when I did this, into a place here where we had a basement a cellar in New York, so like, wow. So I had a workspace that I could do things in, and I had an old, but my father had soldering tools. I don't know, he taught me how to solder. So I was soldering pieces of an old umbrella together and then suspending pictures from the photographs that would dangle around. So that was some early sculptural stuff. So I was always interested in, I guess, pushing the sort of way that we view pictures off of, you know, the page, the album, the sort of print into something else that, you know, is a substantial in a way that, um, gosh, and I'm thinking once again about the show, we just, wonderful Robert Rauschenberg show we just saw at um, the Whitney, and we were talking about the, um, uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, the Cantonary series of the sort of strings that are dangling off of the, um, I don't know, off the, off the, canvas, if you will, just sort of um, sculpturally projected out into space. And uh, maybe I saw that. Maybe I saw Alexander Calder. I know I saw a lot of Calder, Alexander Calder as a kid. He was um, at the Whitney, you know, with the um, 
the circus that was always on display. I don't know if you've seen Alexander Calder's Wire Circus, but that was definitely an influential thing on me. Um, I'm very influenced by <coughs> uh, red grooms. I mean, Jasper Johns, for sure. I remember that um, American flag painting from when I was a kid. Another thing that blew my little mind when I was a kid was red grooms' subway. It was a subway car that was life-size, cutouts of cardboard painted, sort of cartoonish and otherworldly. And you'd walk through the, the doors, the cardboard doors would slide open and you'd walk into this space. And it must have been in the Whitney Biennial, 1984, 1986, maybe it was not even a biennial then, it's every year, I don't know. But I don't, I, I don't think I've sort of um, done exactly that, but I, I do think this idea of like, in, creating a space for people to view a full um, view of a uh, take on the world. Red Grooms is cartoonish take. Or here we have this Daguerrean, maybe, um, take, or uh, digital Daguerrean take of uh, diorama uh, on the world. Um, I don't know. I, I think I, I have a lot of influences. Louis Daguerre, French inventor of photography, of the daguerreotype. Yeah, and actually one of my favorite pieces, I think, is influenced by the Dalai Lama. Um, Jean-Claude and Christo were these pair of artists that, you know, maybe most famously draped the Reichstag in, in cloth, and recently uh, the uh, Grand, the Arc de Triomphe in Paris, right? Um, 2003, maybe, it's not long after the Dalai Lama was here, so I associate them in my mind, they made these um, sculptures called the Curtains in Central Park, which was, were you here for that? It was so wonderful. Orange fabric draping down that you'd walk through, and it was very meditative, and I thought it was very much about Buddhism and the Dalai Lama. And I, I would feel like, like photography is a, like a meditation. Hmm. Uh, uh, everything that you see is a, like meditation. Hmm. That, that's my point yeah, of view because yeah. I, I was a film, st film yeah, student. Yeah. So, yeah. It's about, you know, you, um, uh, gosh, another of my favorite photographers, this guy Stephen Shore, who's a contemporary photographer, he landscape. One of the things he talks about is like, um, and maybe this is also Joel Meyerowitz who says this in another of the videos that I show in my classes. Being a photographer is existing in like a heightened state of awareness. You want to pay attention to everything because that's how the camera records. Normally, with our eyes and our sort of senses, we, we have a tunnel vision. We have a, a, a focus on what's directly in front of us. The camera has equal recording all over the frame. And so to change our perception from this tunnel vision, this sort of um, very uh, small point of attention and spreading it wider, I think is very much like meditation and, you know, like photography. Yeah. It's a really great morning and uh, we walked to the, <laughs> yeah, just for jobs. And now I see your photography and this, uh, on, this is still on view that if you come to Chelsea, don't forget to check Whitney Museum yeah. for <laughs> Jasper John. And don't forget to check Tommy Mann's, uh, um, this show. Can you say that the name of this exhibition? This again? is Time After Time. And it's uh, pan algorithmic panoramic time-lapse collages. And it's at Guild Gallery 2, which is 119, 119, 9th Avenue, between 17th and 18th Streets. Okay. And it's on view 24 hours a day through the window, actually. You can see it oh, from yeah. the sidewalk. Well, maybe walk you by. can walk by in the evening. So. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, and it's beautiful in the quiet.